0: So for, for our listeners, after the pod last week, they might already assume this, but can we just confirm, are you a family of three or are you a family of four? Oh,
1: three, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I, love, I love the other two members of my family dearly, but I'm currently,
0: <laughs> currently,
1: I've had enough, I've had enough. The, the good news is, is that like, as we discussed last week, it will happen at some point. Yeah, yeah definitely. But just, you know, come on. I mean, it's been it's been nice. I've been well. I say it's been nice because I've been able to you know listen to you on the Australian Open and and catch up yeah. and things. But then if I had the baby, I'd be up all night anyway. Although I think most of the Australian Open has been happening during the day here in the UK. <laughs> I've been listening all
0: day. It's, it's been amazing. I, know, I, uh, I feel I feel bad laughing because I know that uncomfortable feeling, and you're just you're just ready to go now. But the the joy is we get to do at least one more. Podcast. We we don't know what this is going to have. We get to do one more. At least before you become a family of four, and well, something we you can... say
1: that we're not at the end yet. We
0: we've got a oh, wow. Out. It's forty-five
1: that... minutes. Anything could happen.
0: <laughs> this could be a podcast. Um, but we do have something to celebrate at the halfway point. Not all of our predictions are out.
1: No, no, and I think I
0: think, yeah. I, I think I've, I've got to start uh,
1: getting behind Stefanos now. <laughs> I mean, yes, because you found him in the word search. I found him in the word search, so he was my um, forced pick. Forced pick? <laughs> it was called
0: a forced <laughs> pick. Um, my free pick was Djokovic, uh, but, you know, yeah, it's not It's not looking so bad. It's not so bad, is it? Um, I had Djokovic. For the women, I know I, I know I chose three, but I'm sticking with it. I chose Goff to face Sabalenka and Jabir in the final, so I'm still claiming that I've still got... As we speak on what day is it? Monday. Still got Sabalenka. Still got Djokovic and Rublev. Andre Rublev is still going strong.
1: Yeah, I mean the uh, Siontek Goff quarter final we were all expecting. Uh, no, both gone. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean if you're going to select like five different players, you're going to have a few of them in the courses. <laughs> to be honest, um, I'll give you Sabs because you 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 were bigging her up. I think so I'll, I'll give you the give you the Sabalenka final well she's not in the final yet but oh that's what you predicted yes
0: yeah, so I the only place we can start is with Andy Murray it was I don't care whether whether you're British uh or wherever you come from surely 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 and a lot has happened but this is the headlines one of the headline if not the headline story of the first week just,
1: just ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're British or not. That is true because he is just, he's awesome. And he's so popular in so many different places. But I tell you what, being British, it is a lot of fun. I mean, how <laughs> spoiled have we been with Andy Murray? Because, you know, look, there's no debate. It's a big three. It's not a big four. You know, he's not one of the greats. He's got three ground slams. And I'm being very critical, <laughs> which is not particularly fair. However no one, no one matches the drama that you get with Andy Murray. It just, it doesn't happen. It, 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 Whether you're Djokovic, I mean, Federer, Nadal, you know, Nadal's played, what, two five-set matches in his whole Roland Garros career? I mean, Andy Murray has the best record of coming back from two sets down of anyone, done it 11 times. And uh, yeah, there's just something about that sort of... Um, brave heart vibe of him that is uh, just incredible to watch, whether it's one round, two rounds, three rounds, as we saw like Wimbledon last year as well. Um, and when it does come to an end, it's obviously devastating <laughs> and heartbreaking. And he's normally limping off the court. His body completely battered as if he's been I don't know in a proper fight <laughs> to be honest but there's also I think an element when it comes to broadcasters and I've I not been working on the Australian Open you have there's a slight relief that like a one percent relief because last year at Wimbledon all the late nights were Andy Murray going to 11 o'clock at night and then of course you know the Australian Open is sort of a similar thing so there is sort of a okay we might be able to get some sleep now and put Djokovic in the night session and so he finishes quicker but I mean just the most fun I think that match I mean I was listening to your commentary you and the team at Five Live doing it and it just just seemed like the most fun even though you were probably delirious
0: Uh, at that point because as most people know I'm doing it from the UK so we're getting up I'm getting up sort of three four o'clock in the morning to sort of roll into the Australian night session and look I have to say if we think back to the pod last week I was asking you the question Ryany Murray when is when is enough enough when does he call it a day he had had that defeat to to quarter to start things off and most people sort of agreed it, it didn't look good what would the future hold then he faced Mattia Berrettini and we're like oh, okay, that's not going to end well. And he was battered, he was bloodied, and he was bruised as he literally crawled off court after 4 hours and 49 minutes. But then to come out against a Nazi and and do what he did, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it's absolutely ridiculous because he must be in pain. He must be in discomfort. But to do, And I know there's elements of... Cock look, he had opportunities. He was two sets in a breakup and he was serving for it. And Andy Murray has the experience, but to physically put himself through that, to recover enough to be able to come out and do it again as he did in the second round. It's, I mean, it, it, it's truly stunning, the level of tennis he produced.
1: I mean, he's a lunatic. That's the only conclusion. <laughs> I mean, we've had this conclusion for a long time, but he must just be a lunatic. We were watching actually slight. It, it links it. It links it. It's a slight uh, off uh, off piece here, but we were watching last night, uh, myself and Ben on. Um, I think it's on Netflix. But there's a, a documentary called "The Human Playground," um, okay. something like that. And it's basically about how humans, uh, certain humans, not me, but <laughs> other humans, uh, have been sort of pushing the pain barriers and dealing with that, and sort of um, pushing things. Oh. So you have yeah. like this lady who would go swimming. You know, she has to soar through sort of half a metre of ice, go swimming, you know, the Wim Hof stuff and she would swim underneath the ice and all this sort of stuff. And, And people doing all these crazy like pain things like they're searching for the pain cave and they love, you know, whether they're doing these crazy marathons or whatever. Anyway, I sat there and halfway through it, I paused it and I said to Ben, they should have Andy Murray on here. That that because that's what he does. He he searches for the pain barrier, the pain cave as it's known. Sometimes unnecessarily. Um because you could argue that okay, eleven times he's won five set matches from two sets down, but that he's put himself two two sets down. <laughs> so he searches for that pain cave and he just loves it. He absolutely loves it. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but what a what a legend. I mean, what an unbelievable thing. I mean, there's no way you would have thought... I mean, because you were there, obviously, watching every point. But there's no way you would have thought he could have come back. What, two sets and... F- was he 5-3 down in the third? A break. He was five, a breakdown. 5-2 down. down. Five, two in the down. Third. Wow, okay. I missed that bit. I think I joined at 5-3. Um, but yeah, just epic, phenomenal.
0: Oh. I, I don't think I would ever want to go in search of the pain cave... I may have, because I'm a wimp, I think I accidentally found it the other day because I'm working, Annabelle Croft is they really working in the UK and you know I talk about running and you know I keep telling you I run slowly and everyone goes, no, you're just saying you run slowly. No, I run slowly. I'm just doing it to kind of clear my head, listen to a podcast. Annabelle said, let's go for a run. She runs quite fast. We went for a lot, it was over an hour we were running for. I found the pain cave, just crashed <laughs> into it. And she said, she said, this is great, isn't it? And I went, no. <laughs> It was. It was. It was not as extreme as soaring into ice and swimming under. Th- oh, I, I couldn't. I don't know why people would do that. But you're exactly right. And we were speaking to Mum Judy Murray on on the tennis breakfast this morning, and and she said, everyone always asks me what it's like, what I'm going through in the box, and what it's like being in there. And I said, I think they ask you that because it's incredible. You sit there, we can't see the emotion. I don't know what you're going through. She's so good at, at not betraying anything when she's in the box. And she said she was going through absolutely everything because it must be really tough. I know he's an adult, but still he is your child and he's in pain and he's pushing himself to the limit. And and. You just want to go out and protect them. And it's at times it's it's painful to watch at times against Roberto Bautista I go to the next round. And in the first set when he hadn't got any lift and his legs looked so heavy and he couldn't move, it's just it's difficult at times. But there were moments against the Spaniard you thought he's not. Is he really? No, can he? But it was obviously a step too far. But. I mean, yeah, but the fact that he even gave us that moment
1: rather than, because he could have, he could have gone out, you know, one was the first of six, one wasn't it? It could have been one, two and three, one, two and two. And everybody, that's what would have been expected. But the fact that he wins that second set and it just, everyone just goes, hold on. (laughs) <laughs> hold on everybody, he's doing it again. Uh, but yeah, what just was a stretch too far. He's not superhuman. He is a superhuman, but he's not, uh, yeah, he's still slightly mortal, I guess.
0: And it's unbelievable. You think 2019 pre-tournament, he was crying in his press conference saying he didn't know how much more he could take and the pain, he'd have to rethink things. And they did that goodbye video when he lost, <laughs> he lost <laughs> He lost to Roberto Martíz that And here he is in, where are we, 2023? And he's doing it's. I still, I still, still don't really see the path in the future and where he goes. And I, I guess it, it's got to be important for him now to to get his ranking up. I'm not talking about getting back into the top ten, but he needs to get the ranking up to a be getting into tournaments and b to be avoiding getting people like Matteo Berrettini in, in the first round.
1: Yeah, but this is sort of what we were saying through 2022 as well. Really, it's been difficult. He had some really tough tough draws and. Yeah, I mean, unless he's seeded, that's just going to be the way. And unfortunately, well, the one way to do it, which is what he would have done when he was younger, is you can blast through the big tournaments, blast through the Masters, blast through um, the slams, you pick up loads of points, you reach quarterfinals. But you know, now it sort of feels like he's got to go and you know win a bunch of 250s. You know, keep making finals because the problem with those 250s is if you're losing quarter semis, it's just not enough points to really drive you up. But if he could pick up a couple of smaller titles, maybe a couple of finals, um, that will really impact him in a number of ways. One, of course, is the points. And two, it's the fact that you're winning. You get to leave a winner. (laughs) That's the confidence it gives you is so... So huge. I mean, look at Kaspar Rood. I mean, he won all those two fifties yeah, uh, back in yeah. 2021. And, you know, even to people like Nick Kyrgios being like, oh, yeah, but come on, he's top 10 just based off two fifties. But look at him now, two grand Slam finals. It's a building block. It's it's a method of of getting there. And hopefully he can get some better draws and better schedules.
0: Well, okay, schedules, because there are many, many players and stories to talk about. But something that came in off the back of of Andy Murray and we had it the other night, actually, with Victoria Azarenka um, and Zhu Lin's match just finished, I think, around. Yeah, so stupid. So it's (laughs) we've talked about this before. Andy Murray finished at eight minutes past four. You've not only got the health of the player and the player who wins expected to recover and go at it again. You've got ball girls and boys and Australian Open. They are girls and boys, not like the US Open where they're sort of grown people. You've got the spectators. What What would you like to see be done is now the moment we say, stop, this is ridiculous. What What were you thinking when, when talking of if scheduling came up?
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, it's difficult for everybody involved. And I think Andy's point was pretty I think he 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 explained it pretty well as in just who does this benefit just explain who it benefits because is it benefiting tv is it benefiting as he said the ball kids the players you know because you can't really see it's not benefiting ticket holders you can't really see actually who is benefiting other than getting the schedule done but they could change the schedule and still get the schedule done and as people say, Wimbledon's managed to do it years and years and they have a, a cutoff of 11 p.m. They used to do it when the cutoff was about half past nine because of light. They also used to do it without a middle Sunday. So they only had 13 days and they still managed to get through all of the matches. So it's not necessary. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, the thing is, I was chatting to, I've been talking to everybody about it really over the past week. And everyone's like, yeah, but, you know, we love a, a late night finish in tennis, you know, late night match at the US Open and, and the Aussie as well. And, and and I get it. And I love a late night finish. But a late night finish is like midnight. That is <laughs> that is a late night finish. 4 a.m. is breakfast. The sun is rising. <laughs> That's nonsense. Like Honestly, I, I mean, a, a finish of midnight 1 a.m. I think is, you know, it's going to happen occasionally and that would be fine. Um, it's about when the matches start. The fact that Azarenka started at half past 11 local time is just stupid. Like, no other sport does that. It is absolutely... It's just it's just bonkers. I mean, maybe boxing sometimes gets quite late, but maybe not even half past 11, I think, for the main fight. It's still going to be... Because boxing's also got variation in how long all the undercard fights will go, right? Yeah. So you don't actually know... Um, you know how long everything's going to take but still it's not going to be that stupid and it doesn't have the potential to be five and a half hours so yeah I, I think because the thing is is that if Andy can't recover because he's played a late match and he's played for five hours five and a half was it five and a half five hours yeah. 45 minutes okay even longer <laughs> so <laughs> You know, you could argue that, look, it's part of the deal. You've got to get through those rounds quickly if you want to go deep in this tournament. That's how it works. We saw that. We've seen that with lots of players over the years. You have to learn how to to do that. And you mentioned getting better draws with a a higher seed. Um, So it's not about the length in terms... For me, it's not about the finish time. It's about the start time. Starting matches of best of five set match at 10 o'clock at night absolute madness starting a women's match at half past 11 it's just ridiculous and there should be a cut off of you just say we have our night session that starts whenever and if it runs past this time or if it gets to 9 p.m then we just put the women's match on somewhere else or we just postpone it and play it the next day and like that's part of the deal um because the problem for me is when matches start as I say you can't really do anything about, you know, if it was five hours, 45, even if you started at 8pm, you're still going into the early hours of the morning. I don't think that's really the tournament's responsibility that, you know, we know it can happen. It's happening more and more, but you know, that's just sort of on you. You know, you've, <laughs> you could have won quicker if you wanted to, if you wanted to have more recovery time. I know it doesn't really work like that, but do you see what I mean? But I think when you're starting matches at a time where even if you win quickly, you're still going to be struggling to recover is, uh, yeah, it's not really fair, is it?
0: Well, how many times have we seen it? Someone who has a, however long it lasts, male or female, the next round they're actually cooked. Because they they cannot recover. I know you say, well, you try and win it quicker. But sometimes I guess you just can't. And then you can't recover in time. And then you just collapse in the next round. You kind of think, oh, yeah, all that excitement the round before. But then there's an absolute disaster in the next round. Because your body needs to recover. And he has more things that he needs to recover from with everything he's gone through. And the tournament might say, well, that's not our issue. If he, if he wants to be here and he wants to be, it's not our issue that it's going to take him longer to recover because of a, a metal hip and his age and, and, and this and that. But which I, but I think that's fair enough. Um, and that's what I'm
1: saying is it is a bit brutal to say, well, you could win quicker. But as I say, even if you were to win in very reasonable time, if you're starting at 10 o'clock at night, you know, that's early hours of the morning. Yeah, Um, it's it's, it's too
0: late. And and what about, there were fans who, who we had a fan on the show, an an absolute diehard Andy Murray fan who had only ever witnessed him winning in Australia. But even she had to leave at the Kokanakis night because the trams finished and and she she wouldn't be able to get to where she was staying. So she had to leave. There's ball boys and girls. And, you know, how late, I know it's the holidays, but, do you want them staying up till four in the morning? Then you get them home at five and they're probably still full of adrenaline. And they can't sleep and chair umpire is not going to the toilet for six hours. I think it's you have to be concerned about the athletes and their recovery and their health. But there's also the and the journalists, because the journalists probably have got two plus hours afterwards because they wait for the player in press and they write their pieces. And it, it's just an, it's a it's a knock on effect for everyone and then they talk about, well, maybe just one match in the evening. And then the argument against I think from Tennis Australia was, but what if there's a default? And then you bought a ticket and there's and there's no matches or is one match enough if say it's a women's match and it's a, a love and one? Is forty minutes long enough? So it, it it's sort of going backwards and forwards, but it, it just feels like now they they've started to change things and the you know you get to six all then it's the first to ten, so we're not going on forever and ever. But it, it just feels now I think you're right, start time just something has to change because I, I don't think it's a healthy... It's exciting at the time when you're in. I mean, I, I arrived for work in the UK in the dark for the Andy Murray Day against Krokinakis. I left in the dark. I was absolutely... my got back. I didn't know what day it was, what time it was. I mean, that was a very... It is the knock-on effect of, of everyone that's involved that, that changes need to happen. I mean, look, I, I just
1: think people are pretending there are no solutions. There are obviously solutions as in yep. Roland Garros never had night sessions. I don't like the one match night session thing. Um, I don't think that particularly works because the risk is very, very high, as you say, of a default or, or something else that happens. Um, and you know as i say wimbledon operates fine they what they play three matches on center court and then they have floating matches uh, tbas to be arranged and if you are a to be arranged you know there's a good chance you're going to get on a show court which is nice yeah. but you're going to have to you know wait a little bit and see um you know yeah I, look wimbledon operates with a cut off of 11 o'clock right that you can't play past 11 o'clock because of the local rules in the area um, I don't like that, I don't I don't like the idea of stopping matches, um, but as I say, I just think that there has to be some rules around the start times, and then, you know, yeah, you're going to get the odd match that does go till two o'clock in the morning and whatever, and sure, it's probably going to be a bit unfair on the player, it's going to be tough to recover, but we're not going to get this consistent, like, just repetition of of this stuff now your know, matches are longer than they used to be we know that through being commentators even in the six years I've been commentating it's you know my I used to I think when I started you used to always have the mentality that you'd you'd definitely get one ridiculous day in a tournament and now it's just guaranteed like it's just over and over and over I mean if yeah, you get one yeah. one quicker day you're sort of like oh wow okay you know we don't have Roger Federer winning in 40 minutes <laughs> anymore it doesn't happen um So, yeah, I I just I think it's absolute nonsense that, oh, you know, well what do we do? Just put one match in the night session. Of course not. Just bring the night session an hour earlier. That's fine. And then you just have the the second match, for example, say Azarenka. She's going to go second match. And you say, right, you are a not before 9 p.m. match. If the match, if the night session has started at six or seven pm and it's still going at nine pm, then we think everyone's got their money's worth because they've got this match. You go on a different court at starting at nine o'clock, and you can you can finish or you can do whatever. There has to be somewhere, or you can postpone it to the next day. There has to be some like, yeah, the attitude that, that it's not possible. I think there are so many different solutions to it um they just don't want to which is which is fine you know they don't want to um and unfortunately for players they're they're fairly powerless because like we talk about with this stuff it's play or pull out play by the tournament's rules or you don't play there's there's no there's no alternative really
0: Now, back to the players. I'm going to give you the choice here because I'm looking around and I don't know where to start. Do you want to start Shiontek losing, the, the rise of the American men, Rafa Nadal and what's going on? There? I mean, I, I could just keep read, uh, reading out name, Djokovic and, and, the, and the dodgy hamstring. I mean, is there anywhere? Coco got, Ga- I mean, where, where do you want to go next?
1: Well, Djokovic's dodgy hamstring didn't look too dodgy this morning, did it? Uh, this morning, yeah. UK time.
0: <laughs> his, this his morning, match. UK time. Last night, he said he didn't feel it. He said, and he didn't. And, it, and Jim Courier kept sort of peppering him with questions afterwards, and he was kind of like, "No, let's not talk about it because I didn't feel it today. It was, it was. It, there's obviously something there. He's obviously managing it, but he was sensational against Diminol. Yeah, look, he's he's still the heavy favourite.
1: Um, doesn't really matter whether he's on one leg or not. Even after his last round, you're still looking at the going, yep, yeah, still the favourite here. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's up to the leg. But look, it has been many, many years where, with the exception of Roland Garros, it, the question has been, will Djokovic win the slam? and the answer is yes unless he beats himself so unless yep. he defaults yeah. himself against Pablo Carreño Busta at the US open unless he doesn't get into the the country like he did last year in Australian open unless he has a meltdown or you know it, ultimately as long as he plays reasonably well, he wins the slams. And I include Rafa in that. I know Rafa won the Australian Open last year in 2021, but I just personally believe if, if Novak had been there, he would have won it, no problem. No, I
0: agree. Yeah,
1: um, no, I agree. Just levels. Uh, Roland Garros, the only exception, but for the the other three slams, the question is, is Djokovic going to do something to beat himself in this tournament? And um, the hamstring was possibly, possibly the thing, but now, I don't, I don't know. I think he's
0: fine now. pass going along strong. He's in, the, he's in the top half of the draw, Djokovic in the bottom half, handing out signed postcards of himself, which I think is Love ingenious. He, he, you know, and he's actually sitting in his hotel room signing. them. He hasn't just got this batch that's printed. He signs them all and, he, and it's very civilised. People just put their hand out. He gave them a postcard and the job is done. Not only is he looking very good, and look, I know he had a battle against Sinner, but he's looking good. And he's got this sort of autograph signing sorted out as well. Yeah, I think he is looking good. He's had,
1: as you say, but I think it's good he's had a battle against Sinner. He was really up against it there. You know, Sinner's tough, but sits past as the third seed, I think he is. I haven't got the draw in front of me. Um, He is, you know, he's expected to come through that. You know, if life gets a little bit tough in a slam, you've got to come through. He's been to a final. Yeah. and uh, yeah, you know, pressure is is really on him. I think with how the draw is is panning out. But um, I love the signed cards. I like it because, especially, I think it suits his mentality because he's so, you know, he just wants to get on with business. You know, he's so professional. You you know, he's a sort of person. He doesn't really talk to other people around. He's just him and his team, and he's just he's just desperately like that I think he he so wants to win a slam of course I can understand it and look he probably gets off the court a bit quicker he gives more people autographs that otherwise wouldn't have had autographs and
0: And wouldn't you rather have a picture that's signed than a scrap of paper that you'll lose you'll put somewhere and say where did I put it or a t-shirt that your mum will put in the wash and suddenly the autograph disappears you've got a postcard with his face, body, whatever it is on it and he signs it as well I think it's ingenious
1: I think it's great. Look, the only thing is, is that a lot of people will want their big tennis balls signed, and yes, they can get a collection yes. of signatures.
0: Big balls. But yeah. The
1: the the fact is that they have a limited amount of time to do that. Even though Andrei Rublev is the master of staying on court, and the amount of times I've been commentating, he's finished his match, and then there's about six to seven minutes, about five to seven minutes between matches. And then the players come out on court and they're doing the coin toss and you can still see him on court in the background (laughs) signing things. He does not leave. He tries to sign everybody's, but it's not, it's never going to be possible, especially something like a slam. It's overwhelming the amount. So, you know, I think volume of a genuine autograph...
0: I think is great. I was sending you loads of messages. You're probably still asleep, and they were like Rublev, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and then and then oh no, Rune.
0: yeah I was <laughs> an <then>, oh Rublev, <laughs> you didn't need to watch it. You could just see all my messages come through. But look, like, I'm I'm glad he's a fabulous bloke. He's come through. Runa is is phenomenal, and I think could have quite possibly given Djokovic a tougher test. I hate to say that against. I hate to say that about Rublev, but I mean we shall see. uh and the Americans, a word on the Americans before we go to the women, I mean, it's phenomenal. They had a number of them, both the men's and the women's. But, you know, we have a quarter final that is Tommy Paul, I know he's that bit older, against Ben Shelton, who used his passport for the first time to fly to Australia. For the first time in his life he used his passport to fly to the Australia. And yeah, it's quite a flight, actually, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it's your first one, not just a short hop around. But uh, I'm sure he's flown uh, plenty of times within uh, within the States. But... Yeah, it's interesting because as soon as that section of the draw got blown wide open, um, yeah, I was looking at it and I was thinking you, you had Kokinakis in there, you had Popper in as well, big players, but I thought the Australian pressure's going to get to them. And it was Ben Shelton that I was looking at. And the only reason I say that is because we've had the stories of you know Karatsev uh, doing unbelievably well at the Australian Open after loads of challenger wins the year before. Van der Sandskulp as well. We have so many players now on the ATP Tour that have, they, they come off the back of a challenger season where they've won like eight challenges. It's ridiculous. I didn't know there were that many challenges that you have. Well, he won eight challenges last year. He won seven. This guy won... <laughs> <It didn't... laughs> and, you know, and you feel, you feel sorry for the guys who were sort of Making semis and final all the time because that's what they've got to deal with, and that 's what Ben shelton is he 's one of those players, and we have seen those players translate straight into the grand slams. They come in with no fear, no expectations they don 't know who anyone is oh, they do, but you know what i mean they 've not been on court against them, and they 're just winning machines because they 've won battle after battle after battle, and um you know they get the big lift of being at the slams so not surprised at all that, uh, that that Shelton's come through and amazing to see the depth and consistency of the American players. It's absolutely ridiculous. So across the men's and the women's, the amount of Americans that have been in. Amazing.
0: Well, well, many people's favourite. And if you look at her top half of the draw that had Igor in and, and Maria Sakri and the likes of the for the left, Rabakina Ostapenko, Pagula and Azarenka, you've got three Grand Slam champions and in including the current Wimbledon champion in Rabakina. But the way Jessica Pagula is playing, the run-up she had in the United Cup and then and she beat Igor Sviontek. I mean, a lot of people are saying for someone who's never been to a Grand Slam final that she is the favourite now to take this title. Yeah. And after the year she had last year as well, she's been very
1: steadily building, hasn't she? Um and yeah she's been quite underestimated but it's interesting because you say many people it's other players right who yeah, are picking yeah, her yeah, it's true. really i mean karolina plishkova said that she was glad she was in the other <laughs> half of the draw and um yeah i think um yeah i think she's she's absolutely always now in with a shout of winning winning a slam like i just you know, whenever she's in the draw, she is just so consistently good. Can, can you remember the last time she played badly? You remember? No. It was so no. long ago. No. I don't think she did in all of 2022. She is just such a consistent performer at such a high level. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I think Pagula is probably probably the favourite now that Siontek's gone. But then the way we're back in a played against Siontek, you know, she just takes the game away from you. I mean, she, you could see that she could do that to Bagula. She could do that to anyone if she wanted.
0: Igish I know I didn't pick her to win. And I think it was partly because you know me, I think with my heart rather than my head and and I've got a real soft spot for, for Sabalenka and Burr, but there was just something about Shwiątek, it wasn't necessarily that defeat to Pagula and, and and the manner of that defeat, it just feels, and it was always going to be after the year that she had last year, what was it? 37 matches unbeaten and, and two slams and being number one, winning Polish Sports Person of the Year award, that there is more pressure, there's increased pressure, there's, there's different pressure, there's different asks on her, I mean she's still young and as as together as she is, that's still an awful lot to deal with, an awful lot of pressure. I mean, look, you're not wrong. I, I, I
1: disagree that that's the problem, though. I think the problem okay. is that people are getting better looks at her game and everybody would have seen what Pagula did against her in that two and two victory. And also, uh, and this is not to be um, looked over, if you're a, one of the other players, another top tenner or a rebackener for example, um you and your coaches you would have seen that happen and also you'd have seen the reaction of her on the court in tears and you realize that actually can she deal with things when it doesn't go her way because she was she was all over the place wasn't she in that she was completely demolished by Pagulia, she was all over the place in the match after the match And we saw it all play out. And that is really valuable for somebody that people... She she was starting to create this aura of being untouchable. And all of a sudden, everybody sees that and goes, no, okay, you can get to her. So suddenly the belief comes back. And then I think also just tactically in the match, they will look at what Pagula was able to do in terms of really get on that serve, particularly the second serve. Uh, And that's what we saw Rebecca do, just went hell for leather off that return and oh, as well as her serving of course is <laughs> Rebecca's standard is is pretty good
0: but but her recent scha's recent defeats Rebecca, pagula um sabalenka and keys so it feels there's a little bit of a pattern forming in the type of players that she's losing to yeah big hitters
1: um i suppose big hitters that will take the initiative um that she can't boss around the court as much Um, if Svontek can get stuck in and really get them working out to the side, get them taking three steps before they strike, then Svontek will be all over them. But that's a big if, because if their big strike comes in first, either on the serve or the return, she can't do that. Um, And, you know, she likes to rush players and, you know, they've obviously, you know, found a way to to not be too rushed. So I think it's just much more of um, people working out, how to play against her now it's not like she's going to lose all the time of course not she's still so far ahead when it comes to to ranking points but I think um, you know if you think about Shontek's year in 2022 and all of these wins that she had the 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 bagels the breadsticks the bakery open for business she overwhelms opponents but what happens when she can't because she that's what she did for the majority of 2022 and what I found, as I say, very interesting is that she was very upset in that Pagula match because it was probably out of her control. And they're all players that can they can take the control away from anyone on the tour. And uh, so I think that that's just it. It's people just starting to to work it out. It's like we talked about with Ash Barty. You know, she retired when she did a year ago, but no one had figured out her game yet because it takes time and it takes. The whole field, watching one person do it, and then everyone goes, that's the way to do it. Now, you might not be good enough to be able to beat Shontek doing it that way. You might not have enough power. But knowing that it's possible changes everything.
0: It's, uh, I think it's been a phenomenal tournament, the twists and the turns. I think Coco Goff continues to earn more fans with how she handles herself, upset and press. She wanted to carry on the way she speaks. Ostapenko calling out the electorate line, calling, saying, no, don't like it very much. I just, I just love her honesty. Yes, Penko, <laughs> come on. It's <That's> great. Rebecca <laughs> and Ostapenko will have happened probably by the time people listen to this, but I cannot wait for that. There is so much and there is so much, there is so much still to go on in, in this second week. Who, so you can pick a new woman's winner now. Now yours is out. You, you're allowed to have another. So Pliskova, Lynette, Sabalenka, Vekic, Azarenka, Pegula, Ostapenko, Rebakina. as we record on a Monday, where would you like to go next? Ooh, very difficult.
1: I do agree that, um, I mean, I could see Pagula winning, um, but she's me- never
0: been there she's around people who have been in a Grand Slam final and either won it or just got there yeah but you know she comes
1: from a sort of an elite mentality household with yeah, the Buffalo yeah. Bills ownership of course with her her parents um, so I I don't know if that will phase her too much I, I don't think it will it's Pegula or Ribackina for me um, is just if she can maintain that level it's going to be slightly more difficult on the hard courts people have been talking about the dead balls of the Aussie Open as well I think to maintain that level especially mm-hmm. it's all going to be how Rebecca backs it up after beating Shontek because you get that big win and then we often see people lose if she backs that up then I'd probably tip her as the favourite but if not then I say Pagula I-
0: And I think it would be crazy to go away from from Djokovic. I mean, he's just looking so, so good, looking good for title number 10. Um, We're hopefully going to do a post-OZ pod, depending on on how your family numbers add up. But am I right? Baby Rog, is he still a toddler? Are you classified a toddler? He's two, yeah. That's a a toddler, isn't it? How many languages can he count in? Uh, He can count in one language. (laughs) OK, <laughs> lovely. Um, which I would say is normal unless you have parents. One is from somewhere, one is from somewhere else. There was a story today. And this is very random, but it's just been, i feel like, am I doing enough for my children? There was a story today about a toddler, so I think he's two or three, who is just the youngest person to get into Mensa. One of the things he can do, he can count to 100 in 12 languages. And one day he was watching a cartoon and he was making some noises and his mum said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm just counting to 20 in Mandarin. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that's nice. that's not normal is it no I think two years should be no. playing
1: a bit more than that yeah, <laughs> I mean, to be, honest, I'll be I don't know it Should just, I apply? Should... I can apply for Mensa with with uh, with Baby Roger and see how he goes. Maybe he'll get
0: into Mensa. Well, I just wonder if I need to give the twins a few more languages. I just want to check where Baby Roger was with his languages and his numbers, just to put my mind at rest that I don't need to suddenly make a call home and say, "Right, whip out the I don't know the Italian counting, whatever." Okay, let's put my, you know what, let's put my <laughs> mind at rest. So I'm, I'm sorry you're in discomfort. But I am hoping Thanks. we get one more pod out of this before your numbers are added to and you I'm yeah. sure hope different really honestly Well that will well you come know that will be the the good thing to come out of it won't it if we wait another week And you're thinking I don't want to wait another week but I'm going to let you go and rest and get comfortable and I well, look, I'll be speaking to you in the meantime. So I'll keep everyone informed. But hopefully we'll have a we'll have a roundup pod in a week or so's time. Oh sounds good. Can't wait to see you in. <laughs> speak soon
1: Bye.